Yes, this is a wonderful opportunity for families, if you have not participated, to participate. It kind of does connect nicely to that great video from the children's ministry. And what we're doing this summer is we're looking at passages in Nehemiah, the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, and the challenges that he faced in rebuilding the protective wall around Jerusalem and our challenges as a church, as we are coming out of this post-COVID world, looking back on how things really were and how things are uh, materializing today, the new things that we're doing and how we are still having church amongst all circumstances. And so that's why we're seeing these videos and speakers about how their ministry areas were impacted by COVID and what they've done and how they're kind of coming back online now. And new opportunities like Rise Against Hunger. We're going to need about 100 plus people on August 13th to help out. That's all the way from little kids ages 2 to 3, all the way up. There's something for them all to do at this event, and it goes for a wonderful cause. Wonderful cause. And as it said, our hands that touch those packages are the last hands that touch it before it goes to those that are in need, which is pretty awesome. So if you're interested, again, see me, see Bailey. Uh, Ellen Healy is also over outreach ministry. She'll have some information. We'll have online signups, in-person signups. Call the church. We'll put you on the sign-up list. Write a check. Or, and Jennifer, our financial administrator, says she got it online this weekend. If you go to our donations tab on our website, on the drop-down menu on where you want to give, there should be a Rise Against Hunger option to give online as well. So I'm going to continue to keep that in front of you. So today, as we continue our Nehemiah series, we're going to be looking at chapter 6, verses 15 through chapter 7, verse 4. I invite you to follow along as it's shown here on the screens, or you can follow along your own Bible app. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elu in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah. And Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-of-law of Shechniah, son of Arah, and his son Jehoana and married to Mishlam, son of Berechiah, as they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. Now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites that had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani charge over Jerusalem along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, The gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened while the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their watch post, and others before their own houses. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been built. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have actually had the joy and benefit of doing many travels over the past eight years thanks to my job in ministry. When I started out working for the youth ministry here at St. Matthew's, I took many trips. I even went with the adult mission team to Honduras a couple times. I went to South Dakota and did a mission trip there. All were wonderful experience, 
for me selfishly, but the kids as well and the adults that went, we really were impacted by the Holy Spirit on those trips and made a difference on where we, where we went. The challenge was whenever I went out of town for a week, that left my tribe at home with just one parent. And for any of y'all who travel that leave a spouse at home for a time period, know that brings a whole nother set of challenges. You know, there was a time when I was in Honduras and I was on that yellow bus going to a, a Honduras worship service and I got a call come through my cell phone and I said, this is not good. I got an international plan for emergency calls and home is calling me. When I answered it, it was my wife, very upset that one of my children at dinner had spilt soup all over her and she was just done. She was just driving around done. And I said, I'm sorry, I sympathize, but I'm on a bus in the jungles going to the church. I can't fix it. (laughs) So she had a lot on her plate, more than me. I was going just right along on the ride. It was great, you know? And then in South Dakota, I got a call one time that there was water falling from the upstairs floor of our house, and I had no idea what to tell her to do. It was falling on the new wood floor we had just laid before. I said, call your brother. I have no idea. She did. It was an AC. He fixed it, and it was okay. But one of the things that we realized we needed for a lot of our peace of mind when I traveled is that we needed like a home security system, you know? Those things are great that come in handy. It'll give her peace of mind, give me peace of mind. And so one day when I was on this said South Dakota mission trip, I guess it was the waterfall situation, I got a call late at night and she said, oh, hey, we've got, um, we've got something going on at the house. I said, well, what's that? And I heard in the background, this is late at night. I heard, ma'am, where would you like the sensor? And I said, what is going on at the house? And she said, well, one of these security people came by in the afternoon, said, would you like one? And I said, well, yeah, we're in the, in the uh, shopping for one. And, and he, she said, okay. He said, well, I'll come back. Well, he came back. These guys work hard, like after dinner, and worked well into the night setting this home security thing up for us. But we're glad that we've got it. It's been a blessing the past, whatever, six years we've had it. And so when we leave the house, you can remotely lock the doors. When you hear something outside, you can look at your cameras and see what's going on. You know, whenever I do trick-or-treating with the kids and I go around the neighborhood, I pull up my app because we're the ones that leave the bucket, but I leave it in, for, in front of the doorbell camera. And I love to scare the kids and just talk to them to the doorbell camera as I'm walking the neighborhood trick-or-treating. Only take one. And so, you know, it's, it always has a lot of great benefits to having these things. But it took a lot of trouble to set it up, you know. And they're great. But you know what happens to a lot of us after we have these things for a while? Ah, we forget to set the alarm. Ah, one of the sensors needs a new battery, and we let it sit for months before we buy that little battery to change it out. You know, they're only as good when you use them, right? You've got to use these home security systems. And so we learned that as well, that we've got to kind of sometimes get back, and, oh, yeah, we need to lock up the house, or, oh, yeah, we need to set the alarm, or do this or do that. You've got to take care of them. You've got to maintain them. And they're kind of like, for many of us in our modern society, kind of your modern protective wall, right? They keep the bad guys out. They let you know when something's up. When someone's at the door or in the backyard, you can pull up the camera and talk to them, right? You can talk to the dogs in the backyard. You can do all kinds of things with them. They're kind of like your modern wall, but they're only as good as if you use them. Because if they're not used, they're no good to you. And I see a lot of connections to that and why Jerusalem, with Nehemiah, why they needed that wall around the city. 
Obviously, they didn't have home security systems. The security of the town was left up to the wall and to those that guarded the wall. It was no good to have the wall without gates and watchmen. And so when we get to this part of the series, it's kind of the completion of Nehemiah's work. You know, Nehemiah started out, as a recap for many of you, as a cupbearer to the Persian king. He got to taste all the finest wines and eat all the finest foods. And his best friend was the king of Persia. He had it pretty set. But then his brother came with bad news about Jerusalem, the homeland, and the disarray that the, home, the, the wall around the city was not repaired. And that hit Nehemiah in the heart. It hit him in the heart. And he prayed to God. And he was called by God to go out and repair the wall that has been in ruins for many years. And so he went to his friend, the king of Persia, who blessed his journey, gave him the supplies and passage to Jerusalem, and he went. And when he got there, he was saddened. He prayed to God, didn't tell the leaders of the community what he was doing, but he walked around the wall at nighttime to inspect it, to see where the repairs needed to be made. Then he set forth and did the work. But it wasn't easy. He had his critics. This guy, Tobiah, that was mentioned, and I had to read all his Old Testament names, was basically telling you that he was a very connected individual. Everybody in that community was connected to him, whether through land contracts or through marriage. But Tobiah didn't like Nehemiah coming in and fixing this wall. He didn't like Nehemiah and this God getting all of the praise. And so he had the people in the town kind of work against him through his connections. So Nehemiah had all of these challenges and critics, but yet, by the help of God, he prevailed. And the wall was built. It tells you in the passage here some numbers and dates that are important. Because it said that the wall was built in 52 days. They cleared the rubble, faced off the critics... And what took hundreds of years to be in disrepair and other failed attempts, Nehemiah was able to succeed where others had failed. And scripture tells us 52 days. And that is impressive. That is impressive because pieces of that wall still stand to this very day. But the way he was able to do it was that he spent more time in prayer than actual time repairing and rebuilding the wall. And that shows us on how incredibly important it is before you as a disciple of Christ and as us as a church, before we embark on whatever we feel called to do, we better go to God in prayer first. And it's more important to spend time in prayer to make sure you're fully equipped and ready of the Holy Spirit than it is the length of time it's going to take to accomplish your work. And so I think this passage highlights that there for many of us. And it also shows us that we better be prepared for the spiritual battle that will come when you embark on God's work. I cannot tell you how many times since I woke up this morning, I had to tell Satan, not today. Not today. Because you know what? Worshiping him is more important and we're not going to allow Satan to throw us off track. So the spiritual battles, the challenges, they're real. They're more real than what you see physically. And we need to not forget that fact. 
Because when you're able to do something big for God, like they were to build that wall around Jerusalem, what did it say? All the other nations saw it. And they were afraid because the only way they knew this could happen is if God helped these people build this wall. And since it was finished, then God was definitely on their side. So the neighbors, the enemies, they took note of that. Just as we do great things, people will take note and know that that is of God. If we can pack 30,000 plus meals in three hours, we're great, but we're going to do it with God's help. Because it's going to take God's help. Because that is a big job to do. And as the work was finished on this wall, as I said, Tobiah, who was one of the leaders in the region who did not like Nehemiah, who one of the passages we didn't preach on, but tried to lead him into a trap to have him killed, all the people and nobles of Judah sent letters to Tobiah. And Tobiah's letters came to them because they're bound by oath to him. These people were blinded to the work that Nehemiah was doing because of Tobiah and their connections to him. I think in our society, sometimes we allow other things to influence us. We put other people and other things in more importance than our God that we forget to see where God is at work in our lives, where God is calling us and speaking to us in our lives because we let other influences flood that out. Just as the nobles of Judah allowed Tobias' words to cover their eyes to the work of what Nehemiah was doing because of their loyalty to him through land contracts and marriage agreements. And that's no different in today's world on how we can be influenced by our connections. And that is important for us to have the heart of the shepherd, to have the heart of Jesus Christ, for us to see the world as he sees it. That way we can point out the false teachings. And then as we get this wall built, and Nehemiah was having Tobias intimidating letters come to him, did he get thrown off track? No. Because he was so sure of what he was called to do, he did not allow the loudest critics to intimidate him. He did not let fear overcome what he was called to do. And fear is a big demon for many of us. Fear sometimes takes the driver's seat in our lives because we allow it to. And we need to be aware that we should not live a life of fear, but a life that is being called by God, seeing the world as Jesus Christ sees the world, doing good deeds and being that light. And so when the wall was finished, Nehemiah not thrown off his tracks, he appointed some watchmen of the wall. And this is where it goes back to the wall's no good if you don't have watchmen. That security system's no good if you don't set that alarm and change out the batteries when they go dead. It's no good. You've got to have watchmen. You've got to have gates. You've got to have those boundaries. You know, as a church, we have to be careful and protect ourselves sometimes as the church body and to make sure that we are doing things that God is calling us to do but not the world to do. And the way that you do that is that you establish boundaries. You let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to be your driving force in life. You don't allow to what society says is cool for this generation to do be the driving force of what the church does. And sometimes, and a lot of times, that is countercultural. God wants your 
But you know what he really wants? He wants all of you. What does the world say? Store it away, invest it for yourself, save it for yourself, save it for yourself. Jesus is counterculture to all your CPAs and the guys on Wall Street. And that's hard. You know, Jesus says, if you've got anything to give away, give it away. You will be provided for. But yet we have attics and storage units and extra cars and storage rooms full of yard equipment. That's a little personal. You know, we have these things that we do by nature, but if we live how God calls us to live, it's going to be counterculture. And the way that we protect our churches and the way we protect ourselves, we set up these boundaries and these walls. But keep in mind, all boundaries and all walls have gates. The gates, as they were used in here, are to keep out the bad, but to let in the good. So the boundaries you establish in your life are not meant to be concrete boundaries that you are not letting things in. You just have to let in the good stuff. So that means letting people into your life that can build you up. Letting people into your life that can help you out of that hole. Don't put up the wall and say, no, I can climb myself out of it because you can't. It's putting up a boundary around your families to protect your families from the outside influences that are negative, but letting in the good. It's for when you need that personal time so you can recharge, just as Jesus did, we all have permission to recharge. Read scripture, you see Jesus do a big event, what's he doing? He's getting on the boat and going to the lake, guys. He'll see you later. And when he sees you again, he'll be ready for you. We need those moments in our lives and those boundaries. Our churches need those boundaries and those walls. And we also, in addition to the gates where we let in good and let out bad, we have to be on guard. Because they will be no good if you don't set that alarm. And so Nehemiah appointed his brother and the commander of the citadel to watch the walls. To make sure that when the enemy comes, he knows he can't get in. And so in these moments in our lives where things seem to be clicking right along is when we often can let our guard down. Perfect story. Adam and Eve in the garden. Beautiful place. Originally, there was no sin. It was perfect. Ultimate relationship with God. But yet there was a serpent. We all know that serpent. And somehow that serpent tempted Eve. But you know what Adam did? His job was to keep watch of the garden. Go back. He was supposed to keep watch of the garden. If he was keeping watch of the garden, the serpent never would have made it in there. And the whole story would have been different. And so in our own lives, when things are rocking right along and it looks perfect, and we let our guard down, we let our guard down as a church, that's when the serpent can find its way in. Because the watchmen are not at the tower. All of these things are important because once you have built the wall in your life as a church and you're ready to go and you've got the watchmen in place, you know what else happens when all that takes place? Nehemiah, he put there at the wall, he put the priests and the Levites, the singers. They had a celebration. 
it is okay to celebrate the good works that God is doing in your lives and as a church. That's why I like us talking about these ministries and what they're doing now as we celebrate many things that they did and what we're continuing to do. Celebrate it. When something has gone right by God in your life, share the story. Your testimony is powerful and it can change other people's lives. The church's testimony is powerful. I can't tell you how many times that we have done, we're just so blessed at St. Matthew's because when people ask me, how is church at St. Matthew's? When I talk to other preachers and other people at other churches, how is it at St. Matthew's? How is the attendance? How is the giving? How are the ministries? And I look at them and I say, you know what? Each week we're growing. Each week we're growing. We are growing as a church. We have bought this church next door, and there are great plans for that church next door. There are not a lot of churches that are growing and buying property and increasing their ministries and seeing attendance go up each week and have solid giving. And I believe that is something we celebrate, something that the Holy Spirit has done amongst us and our church. So we have this amazing opportunity We have been gifted with something that some churches are struggling to find. I've been on the spectrum of the other end. I've had to close a church this year. We are blessed here. We have amazing opportunity. And so we celebrate that. We tell about it. We share it. And then the next step is we go and we go do it. We go and we go do it with our walls restored with the gates and the singers and the watchmen, and we transform the world for Jesus Christ. And so throughout this series, I hope you have seen the pattern of events built to this moment and how this is a big moment for Nehemiah and the people and how we at St. Matthew's are now on the verge of some very big opportunities for God. So may we celebrate in that. Let's pray.